Hello and welcome back to the fifth episode of the Parentcast in our new fortnightly format. Hope you didn't miss us too much last week, but the gang is all here as usual, raring to go. Uh, it's Mary, Natasha and Amy. Natasha's fresh off the plane from India actually. How are you feeling, Natasha? Hi. <laughs> I've been up since four o'clock this morning and it's Aww. after eight, so it's been a while. It's been a long day. Well, that fits very nicely in for today's uh, discussion topic. This is the first episode in a little mini-series that we're doing on the Parentcast, all about routine and sleep, how little of it there is in our lives, how much we miss it. So to kick us off today, I thought, Mary, as it's freshest in your mind, uh-huh. how are those early days? <laughs> is there any routine? Is, is it just breastfeeding on demand and your little one is ruling the roost? Yeah. So I think I've been calling it, people say like, how's the routine? And I've been calling it a rhythm instead, as to we're kind of falling into a rhythm and like things happen. There are certain points in the day where, you know, the same thing happens every day, um, which is kind of comforting as someone who likes to be quite routine to myself. Um, but I think it, then that's not the same necessarily week on week. So I think they change, they change so much week on week that you kind of got your rhythm to begin with, which is just sort of feeding on demand and you're hoping just to gradually make the feed, the gaps between them, particularly at night, longer and longer. And then you kind of transfer and, you know, they're having things like jabs and they get their first cold and everything kind of changes a little bit. Then they're awake a lot more. And so you're kind of fitting that awake time in, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that was a bit of a struggle to thinking about how do you fit in the active bit of the kind of eat, sleep, activity little mini routine as it were i think i've mentioned before we did baby whisper and there's a whole big thing about how you include that active time and yeah we followed the whole feed activity sleep but it worked well for us yeah and i think that's happened kind of naturally so we kind of most days we have that every now and then there's a cheeky feed to sleep episode um when i've misjudged how long or how much excitement we've had with um playing Sometimes um, you also just need to do it. Sometimes you yeah. just need some sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I had a bad, bad incident last week where I injured my foot. And we're not in a place yet where we are having a lovely sleep on our own during nap time. And I thought, the, I can't even, I couldn't get off the sofa. So I had to just sit there with my foot propped up. So we just fed to sleep over and over throughout oh. the day, every time she got grizzly. How old is your it's little one now? Uh, she is... Oh, I'm, I'm dealing in months now. So Ooh. four and a half months. Wow, that came around quickly. Yeah. yeah. Feels like you were just telling us she was almost three. Yeah, I know. God. I know, that's also scary. Because yeah. every day you say, oh, we're not in a routine yet, but it doesn't matter because she's only three months. And then suddenly you're like, no, she's four and a half months now. Oh, no. I'm going to be talking about my sort of six-year-old who's still... <laughs> doesn't have any sort of routine in their life. Is that um, how you feel, Natasha? <laughs> no, well, S was actually quite the opposite. He, he sort of put himself in his own routine, right from, you know, as young as, like, two or three months. Everyone in the house used to joke that he didn't need any clocks in the house because he, he was bang on time. So, you know, he'd wake <laughs> up and start crying, oh, yeah, three o'clock, have you got the bottle ready? And it was also great because I could have it all prepared in advance because... I knew for certain he was going to wake up and, you know, that was going to be it. He'd need a feed. So did you Um, bottle feed Natasha from early on? Yes, I did. So um, after I had the whole 
blood loss and everything when he was born. I guess the milk just never came through, but I tried. So for about six weeks, I think it was, I breastfed. But it would be, you know, an hour on each side, and then he'd still need a whole bottle feed. Um, and it was just, I, I was slowly losing my mind. And then I got to six weeks, and I just stopped. And it was almost like someone just lifted this massive weight off my shoulders, and I could be happy and he was happy, and yeah, so it was pretty much from six weeks on that he was um, properly bottle wow. fed. Um, it sounds quite traumatic. And, yeah. yeah, it was. I think there's a lot of pressure. I think there's a lot of pressure, um, yeah. and I, I had that. I had serious guilt for a long time, and then finally I just gave it up because I really believe happy mommy calls happy baby. Um, Definitely. Everything, everything yeah. just became so much easier after that. I wonder if, because I went 50-50, um, we started introducing the bottle with formula from about four, between four and six months, and then by six months she was fully bottle-fed. I wonder how much easier it is to get a baby into a routine with a bottle rather than breastfeeding, because, of yeah. course, all the advice at the moment is breastfeed on demand, but, and, and I did, and I was very lucky. Baby girl was reasonably good with routine. She's always been happier with routine. But as soon as she started getting those bottles, you knew exactly how much she was feeding, you you knew when she wanted it mm. and and the routine just did sort of fall into place I wonder yeah. if that does make it easier in the early days if you bottle feed from yeah. that perspective I think it re I think it really does from just instances when we've done it where particularly it's particularly in the evenings where you're trying to wind up for bed and they're getting tired and if you're breastfeeding you don't know they kind of use it for comfort instead of to actually feed Whereas if you're shoving a bottle in the face, you know, you see it go down, it drops through the measures, you can make sure that they actually full, fills up before going to bed. And I think, I mean, that's certainly something we're looking, we're kind of in that stage now where we're thinking about making sure there's a regular bottle fed into her routine. Yeah, because you also give have... a bit of shape. You also have cluster feeding, right? Which is a part of yeah. breastfeeding where they just feed, like, what, every 45 minutes for, like, yeah. hours or something? Yeah, we had I, that. Yeah, she does a kind of three hours evening stint and you're just passing from one side to another watching the entirety of netflix um <laughs> that might be my product of the week <laughs> yeah no i'm kidding yeah. but yeah i was so glad we had netflix when i in the early days but for us it was five till nine i think i've mentioned this before and that for us was when at about eight weeks i said right we need a bedtime routine because i was just spent the whole night on the sofa and i couldn't eat and yeah. i was at the end of my tether and I, we didn't look back after we introduced a bedtime routine. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't I say the sleeping anything, through followed, but... More than anything, I look forward... The, I motivate myself for a bedtime routine just so that I can get through that and then I reward myself with a glass of wine or today it's a bottle of beer and it's just like, yes, we've done that. That's over for today. We've got her down to sleep. It's yeah. a couple of hours at least. The parent routine follows... Because yeah. my, my partner is definitely the cook between us. I love cooking, but he's just so fabulous at it that I just let him do it. And so for us, it's kind of fallen in that from very early on, I do bath, I do bedtime, I get kind of evening bottle, blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, he's doing the dinner. We have odd nights like tonight where she's not herself because she had her MMR on Tuesday, where we're still at 45 minutes past seven trying to get her to go down. But on the whole... You know, by half seven, we know that we can be eating dinner and it's great, but it mm. does suddenly start to become very formulaic. And I think she was like seven, maybe nine months old. And my partner was like, do you think maybe you could cook dinner tonight? 
And I was like, oh yeah, when was the last time I cooked? And of course you just fall into that, as you called it, rhythm. Yeah. And just suddenly four months has gone by and I've never cooked dinner. <laughs> yeah. Our our routine did start to change though. I think I've, I keep saying this, I think I've mentioned it before. At around nine months, I, I was just like, I need more sleep than this. Because for us, we had a really good baby baby. And then from the four-month sleep progression, I'm really sorry, Mary, to be the bearer of bad news. I hope this doesn't be the same for you. Um, but ours just got steadily worse. And by nine months, I was getting maybe two hours sleep a night. And I was delirious. Yeah. And I was just... I didn't know what to do with myself. And, you know, all my other mum friends were kind of coming out the other side. And they were just like, yeah, this is great. And I was just getting to less and less of the classes, less and less of anything. And I was just like, it's, it's everything I can do to get dressed some days. Yeah. So so we started sleep training at nine months. That was hard. And then by ten months, she was sleeping through the night. We probably started sleep training at the wrong time because she was going through a leap. We've mentioned Wonder Weeks before. So that yeah. was probably foolish. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, if you're going to sleep train, the best time to do it is between four and six months. I think, yeah, I, I'd say it, a lot of people, st- or a lot of people start once, you know, they've started weaning and their baby's moving off the solids. Yeah, because of course you're fitting in meal times, your naps start to change, and I think by about six months we weaned from five. But at six months they're a bit more active. Baby girl was crawling at six months as well, so she was tiring herself out a bit more, which was great. But how did that work in terms of naps? Because was she sleeping more then, or was she ready to cut the naps by then? I seem to have a baby who doesn't need much sleep which is really quite cruel because I am somebody who needs a lot of sleep. But baby girl just, from six months, as soon as we started introducing kind of the lunchtime meal, I think we did it at half 11, um, she just completely changed her naps of her own accord and went to a single two-hour nap at midday and that's all she would sleep. And now that's just reduced and reduced, so she's now 13 months and now some days I'm lucky if I get 40 minutes at midday. She just doesn't need oh. seem to need it. She sleeps if wow. she needs it. And yeah. I'm lucky that she, you know, I can trust that she will sleep as long as she needs. Yeah. But it is tough when that nap starts to decrease. I feel like my yeah. the only time in the day I have to myself is almost That's gone true. now. It's yeah. yeah. Cut used to, so I think when he was about nine months, he cut his morning nap, so that kind of half an hour or 45 minutes between 9 and 9.45. And then he'd still go for an hour and a half or so at midday. Um, So we were the same. He had lunch at about 11.30. And then thankfully, he didn't cut that second nap until he was, I think, two years and eight months. So it narrowed down to about 40 minutes. Um, But he didn't cut it. I say thankfully, that's a lie, actually. It was great when he cut it because... What would happen was he was having that 40 minutes, but then it was taking me 40 to 45 minutes to get him to bed uh, at night. And it came to a point where it was it was driving me crazy because I just sat there and he'd just hold my hand. And every time I tried to get up thinking he was asleep, he wasn't. <sighs> and when we cut that nap, it was like the angel sang because <laughs> come 7 o'clock, I put him in his cot, held his hand, and 30 seconds, and he was out. And I, and I thought... Why didn't I cut that nap like six months ago? <laughs> How do you stop a baby sleeping though? Yeah, but that's the thing. I was gonna say with everything, he he led it, so he was ready to drop it, and he just, you know, came back from and just didn't 
didn't want to nap. And mm. so he dropped it himself. Um, maybe he just needed a slightly later bedtime during yeah. that time. But it took us a good two weeks to kind of get into the groove of no nap because some days, you know, he'd get to like kind of five thirty, six, and he'd be so tired because he's still... He was still adjusting to not sleeping in the day. Mm. How long did that take, really, for him to be able to really go the full day? Um, I'd say about two to three weeks because there were a couple of times he'd be driving somewhere. We'd barely be in the car for five minutes. And if it, and if it was around three o'clock, he would just fall asleep. And initially I thought, OK, I'll give him 40 minutes because that's one sleep cycle. And then I learned, no, 20 minutes, power nap, pick him up, and he was totally fine. If he went the 40 minutes... He then woke up super cranky because it was neither here nor there. But if he went the 20 minutes, he just woke up and he was totally fine. It was just like he was recharged and that was it. Um, yeah, so that was back in November. I think end of November mm-hmm. he got his naps. But saying that while we were away now for four weeks, um, I, I think maybe it's just the heat. He was taking naps. Um he, he would just literally say to me, I'm tired, I want to sleep, get into bed. And he'd fall asleep <laughs> for like an hour, hour and a half. And it was weird because I'm like, you haven't napped in like three months and suddenly we have naps. But again, I think you just listen to them. You listen to what they want because at, the, at three, they know what they want. Mm, that's true. Baby girl has very much led our routine from day one. I've just kind of trusted her. But people would say to me like you know I think she needs to nap for longer or I think you know she needs to nap less or anything to be honest and I've always kind of said but how do you force a child to sleep or how do you force a baby not to sleep like for example even on Sunday she wasn't rubbing her eyes none of the telltale signs that usually happen kind of leading up to midday one o'clock ish and we were at my in-laws this weekend and we were getting the train home at about half two-ish. So I said, you know what, if she's not rubbing her eyes and stuff, let's leave her because then she might sleep on the train home, which is just better for all involved. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be holding her and I was playing Connect Four with my other half's eight-year-old sister. And I just suddenly, she looked up at me and then she put her head on my chest and she was out like a light. And I was like, what? Clearly decided that that was nap time. And if I had forced her to go down half an hour earlier, I swear to you, she wouldn't have done it. Maybe I just have a willful child. No, (laughs) No, I I thought you guys would have the answer to this because I just, I never know when she wants to go to sleep uh, or, you know, I can't make her go to sleep without it being a very tearful, screamy episode. And yet, at the same time, sometimes she'll just randomly drop off to sleep, you know, she was in the sling the other day and she was like hanging out. I thought she was watching my husband do some DIY and I thought that's what she's looking at. Suddenly I looked around and realised, no, she's actually asleep. So her <laughs> entire body half flopped out the sling. And you think, I don't know, I don't know why you decided then or that that was comfortable to sleep in or when I come to it, and you know, she, she will give me those cues, you know, she's rubbing her eyes or she's yawning. And I go, right, okay, let's go and sit down quietly next thing you know, she's screaming and it's like, really misjudged that mum and I'm going to make you pay for it. <laughs> uh, we had a couple of, you know, we have a couple of good nights and I think, oh, I'm feeling okay. I feel alive. I, well, I, not alive, but, you know, I feel like I'm human. And then one night that's bad and you go, it's like all the bad nights have kind of piled together and you're just completely crushed. Just oh, hold that thought because I think we'll... 
we'll discuss more about the effects of sleep deprivation next week. Yep. So sneaky peek for our listeners there. Um, but just to quickly, are you weaning yet, um, Mary? Uh, no. We are, I have, um, <laughs> I don't think it counts as weaning. I kind of wave fruit in front of her face. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, she had a carrot the other day, which she had, she like sucked on. She enjoyed that um, and looked a bit surprised. I think she thought it was going to be a toy. Um, <laughs> uh, recommended, you know, just, that you know they can suck on like a frozen carrot. And it's quite good for teething. Mm. Um, but that doesn't count as weaning. She's not consuming it. She's just tasting. tasting we stuff. we did cucumber sticks. But ah. the reason I ask is because I think your routine changes most when food is introduced. Partly because, well, I'm still, because I'm not at work yet, trying to make everything from scratch on the whole. We do do pouches and I'm using shortcuts in various places now. But certainly in the early days, I tried to make everything myself. And routine changed purely because it took forever. And I was just yeah. wondering how you guys, Natasha especially, how does that routine in the day change as you move through the weaning to toddler meals and and surely mealtimes, I, I pray, they get shorter because sometimes it takes us an hour to have lunch at the moment. Yeah. Oh, that's very civilised. That's, like, very sophisticated. Not the way baby girl uses a spoon, like it's not. Over lunch. It's like a long lump. <laughs> no, we're at the phase where baby girl can use a spoon herself but not very well. Oh, So right. that's why it's taking so long because she point-blank refuses to let me feed her now. She has to do it herself, which is great because she's practising... But everything takes so long. <laughs> so, sorry, Natasha. How does yeah, that well, kind of progress and how does that affect your routine? Well, I was going to say, <laughs> a bit like kicking me out of the room when I said I had blissful pregnancy, uh, S is actually a pretty good eater. Um, a bit like his mum. <laughs> so he was an amazing eater until he was, I think, a year old. In terms of routine... I don't think it changes that much because if I think back to when he was maybe just over a year old and I think about things now, he kind of eats dinner around the same time. He used to eat dinner at, maybe back then he'd eat dinner at 5.15 and now he'd eat, he eats dinner at about between 5.30 and 5.45. So it hasn't changed a lot. I think the only difference is he was having a lot more milk back then and so you kind of schedule in milk and snacks and stuff like that, whereas when does the final milk feed of the day drop away? So he still he has um, he has one like kind of sort of cup or two thirds of a cup of milk um, at night before he sleeps. So he has his dinner at around five around five thirty, I'd say. Um, but again, some days it's you know closer to six. It depends what we're doing. Um, and then just before he goes to bed at about seven, he has just before seven he has a like a cup of milk. So he still has he still has uh, he still has one cup, but that's pretty much it. And S is just over th- like he's one three years one month, isn't he? Yes, he's there. So, um, only one year and eleven months, ten <laughs> months to go. Okay, no, I actually really enjoy the last feed of the day. It's kind of my nice. quiet time with baby girl. And it's yeah. nice. It's nice when they're still nice when you're still feeding them from a bottle as well because like you said it is your quiet time. I remember we had the bottles around probably a lot longer than we should have. But um it was nice cuz he'd just like lay there or sit against my chest even though he could sit on his own and just hang out kind of, you know, and it was quiet and just 
just before bed. It was nice. Well, that seems a good place to finish episode five, but episode one of the little mini-series that we're doing. Um, just before we finish, every week we do say about our favourite product of the week. Mary, I'm going to come to you first this week. What have you got for us? Mary? Sorry, sorry, can you just repeat what you said? Um, about favourite products. I'm coming to you first. Oh, okay, sorry. I heard Mary <laughs> and then it cut. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, this week, I think maybe slightly different. I've got a bit of an endorsement for one of the previous products of the week um, when we were talking about speech and someone suggested woven slings. And I've been testing a woven sling this week and I've been very much enjoying it. Um, and I think also, and then slightly differently, I'd like to put out a request for a product from you two um, for pram toys. I'm trying to keep our four-and-a-half-month-old occupied and interested in the pram, which is getting increasingly difficult. Just pulling stupid faces just isn't cutting it anymore. Um, <laughs> Freddy the Firefly. What's what, Freddy what's the Firefly? Freddy? Yeah, Freddy the Firefly is one of the LeMay's toys. You know, there's quite a... Oh, oh yeah. yeah. They're, like, addictive for children. We had a dragon who we called Mr. Oh. Dragon, but he was pink, so there was lots of jokes about him being gay. I apologise if that offends any potentially gay listeners. <laughs> well, we had Freddy the Firefly um, as loved him, and they have, especially for four, um, four and a half months old and that, that kind of age, mm. they have like little mirrors, they can see themselves, they have crinkly bits, yeah. they kind of make noise, they have a teether bit, you know, they're quite bright in colour. So Freddy the Firefly had like four wings, and on each wing there was a different kind of bit to stimulate um the baby i think oh. all those lemay's toys as well actually come with like one of those hooks so they actually hook onto the push chair um, straps which yeah, is good yeah. we also had i seem yeah. to remember it was around this time it's a little monkey he hung off the bonnet of the buggy and then he also had like a pulley thing underneath him that baby girl could reach and oh, he, he sung three too. different songs and she still loves him and, of course, because then he had the little hook underneath, you could hook other stuff to him. So Mr Dragon hung off him for quite a while. At what age could she pull the toggly bits? Mm, six probably six months, yeah. Six months. Okay. okay. But she knew what he did from earlier than that. Like, she'd be, yeah. she just wasn't strong enough. Natasha, what's your product? Um, so I think in the Play Store or the I, Apple Store, you just put in eFlash apps and... I didn't realise just how much it's helped with Essa's vocabulary. So you go through it and they just have really bright images of different things. So there's different sections. You can do colours or action words or fruits or vegetables and um, or transport. And he would just sit there and flick through it. And lady in actually quite an American, um, annoying American voice would just be like, great, avocado. <laughs> raspberries and it actually like it's amazing because the other day we were just going through it and like some of the stuff he knew and my mom has this really funny story she tells everyone they were going through it once and um she got to one of the images and she said oh look it's a digger and he goes no nani it's an excavator <laughs> that is a very big word for a three-year-old <laughs> It is, it is, it's a very big word. And this is not even now, this is about six months ago. Wow. Um, so yes, eFlash apps, it's, it's amazing for their vocabulary and it's got images as well. So um, Is it free is. or? Yes, it's free. I don't like paying for apps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. 
it's free I, and it has quite a bit because you know sometimes you get these freebies and they have like one puzzle and then it's like oh you've done that one now pay 4.99 but this one has all the different um, kind of headings and you can just choose whichever one in terms of being free mine is very much the other end of the spectrum this week um, we bought baby girl her first pair of proper shoes because she's walking fully everywhere now and doesn't like to be in the buggy which has its ups and downs. Um, so, of course, we went to Clark's, which I kind of did on autopilot because I remember being taken to Clark's every year for my school shoes and stuff. So I thought, oh, well, we have to go and get her feet measured properly. And yeah, so I just went there without really thinking. But I'm really glad we did, apart from the price. This pair of baby shoes were £36, I think. <gasps> I was just about to say, was, were they £35? I was yes. like, oh, my God. But... That being said, they have been worth every penny because before that we just had a pair of kind of, I'd bought a really cheap pair before we went on holiday in case she started walking, which of course she did. So then it was, we were glad we had them with us. Um, her, the, the difference since she's had a proper pair of shoes that fit her properly and everything has been amazing. I mean, maybe she'd have started walking this much anyway, but even just in Clark's when she tried them on, Already she was walking faster, she was a lot more confident. They obviously support her in the right places and everything. Um, yeah, so make her feel comfortable. Yeah, I mean, they said that apparently you have to go back and get their feet measured every eight weeks. But oh, wow. this pair of shoes apparently should last a maximum of four months. And they're very pink, which wouldn't have been my first choice, but it's more about which ones fit them best as opposed to which ones you like the look of. So it's not really like work, walking into Kurt Geiger, unfortunately. They weren't quite the navy desert boots I'd had my eye on for her. But never mind, it's fine, it's fine. Anyway, enough of my moaning about the fact that my daughter has the girliest shoes in the world. And let's wrap up episode five. Join us next week. We'll be talking about sleep deprivation, co-sleeping, and how routine, specifically at night time, is throughout the first few years of a child's life. And our top tips, well mine and Natasha's top tips for getting them to sleep through the night and maybe Mary you'll have something to add after yeah, your have, trial a great flash of wisdom um, after attempting to sleep train our four and a half month old well we've got our fingers crossed for you <laughs> yeah with that thank you very much for listening if you have any top tips on routine or you have any questions that you'd like us to talk about in our next couple of episodes do get in touch. We're on Facebook, Twitter. You can get us on the website, theparentcast.co.uk. And do let us know what you thought of today's episode. Other than that, remember we are on a fortnightly schedule now. And so we will see you in two weeks. Bye. <laughs>